Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spiegel, and we are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is why e-commerce email is more than just email. Today's guest is the founder of Noticed, an e-commerce agency that provides a holistic approach to growing your business. A big welcome to Adam But Hi, Adam. Hey, Andy. Pleasure to meet you, Adam. Really appreciate you having me out on the, on the podcast today. You bet. You Thanks for coming on. Now, you grew up in uh, Liverpool, England, correct? Correct. It's it's the place of the most famous band in the world, as everyone probably knows. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Now, I'm not sure how it works in Liverpool. I've never been to Liverpool, but over here, I would have to say your last name could have been a problem back in school. How was it growing up in Liverpool? Uh, so I grew up in a in a very, um, I would say, uh, I would say, isolated. Um, neighborhood where we were. Uh, my dad is Pakistani and my mom was British. My mom was from Liverpool. So I kind of uh, uh, a multicultural background, if you would want to call it. So, you know, where I grew up, it was predominantly um, an area where, you know, you wouldn't really have much diversification uh, in, in cultures. So that was always a challenge growing up for me. So it was definitely, um, you know, growing up, you know, seeing a lot of um, different people, who had, you know, just not had that high exposure to different cultures. That was just something that was a struggle growing up. Uh, so I would say it's a tough city. It's a city with a lot of history, as you know. The Beatles are from there. Um, for any soccer fans out there, we've got the greatest football club in the world. So, you know, there's a, a lot there, but I would say it's a fighting city. Um, our ancestors are Irish. That's where we're from originally. So most people, when they speak to you speak, they're like, are you from Ireland or Scotland? So it's still there, I guess, today, our accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I grew up in humble beginnings. Uh, you know, we lived in government housing our whole life. We, we struggled with money, um, didn't really have much. And uh, I'm the oldest of four. And, you know, really just growing up, I would say it was a very tough life. It was definitely one of those where you had to kind of sink or swim, uh, if you want to call it. And, you know, if you really wanted to come out on top, you, you had to kind of push through the ceiling and, and see what you you were made of. So, that was kind of what it was like growing up. Now, today, your company noticed it specializes in email and text messaging. But I see that you also do much more offering services such as replatforming and even website optimization. I would assume that you added these services on, but because to be successful, I mean, email, it needs to, to convert. Visitors need to convert. And maybe some of your websites for your clients weren't that good. Is that why you added these these different services? 
Yeah, so it, it was an evolution, to be honest with you, Andy. It was when I, when I started freelancing back in 2012 and 13, I was basically building informational websites for non-e-commerce businesses. Uh, Drupal, WordPress, you probably remember the old template monster websites. I used to build them on them. Um, so I ended up moving into e-com around all 2013 and having really some successful brands that I helped scale at the time. And that kind of just got me the bug of moving into e-com. So when I launched Notice in 2015, it was purely based on the fact that we were going to be a, a concentrated e-commerce agency just working with direct consumer brands. At the time, you know, it was mostly B2B. B2B was still kind of the thing before 2015. And then you started to see this emergence of D2C brands coming up who had a really different thinking of how they wanted to connect with consumers. So I got in pretty early in 2015. Uh, we wanted to first Shopify Plus partners in the world at the time. I caught into the tech very early. Uh, we were using Magento before that. And I never launched and noticed. And it was just pretty much me at the time. And um, we were... 95% fixed revenue as a business, just websites. That's all we were building. Mm-hmm. And then as I was starting to, you know, work with more of these these brands, they were getting larger. I started to really realize that in order for us to really support them holistically, we had to really start to bolt on these additional services while not compromising on quality. So today we've evolved into, I would say, a semi full service agency, but our goal is to really get to a full service closed loop omni-channel model and um, so we provide uh, site redesigns re-platforms on shopify plus and headless we do all the conversion optimization we do all the email sms and all the retention marketing for our customers and um, so we're kind of as as much as we can be within what we do but our model is centered on really making sure we're hiring agnostic specialists so we don't hire people who don't come from e-com backgrounds they all have to come from e-com whether it's fan side or agency side. Um, I would have and... thought I would have thought you would have you started the other way. You would have gone email marketing first and then done web development, but you're coming from web development and then to to e- email marketing. So Correct. what what is um I mean what percentage of your clients do what? I mean, do you do you do one-off projects still where you're replatforming somebody, or are you pretty much doing retainers with with monthly emails so it's it's definitely i would say more of the latter we were about 85 80 um, reoccurring revenue today as a business it took a long time to get there um but in terms of our breakdown about 50 percent of our business is email sms retention marketing and then about 30 to 35 of it is conversion optimization site support etc really trying to improve the buying funnel for customers that are coming through um, acquisition marketing or re-coming through the retention funnel again. Um, so that's kind of like the breakdown of our retainer. And then we have about 50 to 20% that's fixed, which is mostly site builds and small engagements. That's kind of our, our real model. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where we are today as a business in terms of revenue so, breakdown. So let's start and talk about the email marketing piece. Where do companies, do you see if a client comes in and they say, hey, take over my email marketing, where do you see what type of emails do companies get the biggest bang for their buck? So so we're our team today on the email side, it's we're about 25 and I believe in that side. We just we only specialize in Clayview and a few other um, smaller ESPs. 
But I think the one key thing that I've seen with our testing, like we've went through a lot of iterative um, A-B testing internally for our teams to look at, okay, content versus design, animation versus non-animation, GIF versus non-GIF. And I think it really depends on the brand uh, and their customer base, like what they're engaged in. But I think the common theme that we found is if you're really truly trying to connect with your consumer through retention marketing channel like email, I think outside of tactical, technical aspects of what you need to do for email, I think the key part is the external part of it, of how it looks and what it's coming across. I think what we've seen be the most successful in comparison to like a static email versus a more of a dynamic email is that if you can really bring the brand messaging, the core essence of the USB of the product and who they are and really make it that community feel brand. And I think that's the authenticity piece is the brands they're made out of an authentic problem they're solving. It will already come through in the email or marketing or whoever else the channel they're trying to hit. So um, when that happens, we've typically found that GIFs, bit animation, that's typically where we get more higher click-through rates. We typically see a much higher level of um, revenue attribution when it comes to types of emails. Um, but I think, again, it all comes down to the brand and the messaging and really making sure you got that down. I think that's what really separates the brands that we've seen that do really well when it comes to connecting with their customers again. So you had mentioned Clevio. Is that the ESP, the email service provider that you guys exclusively use, you recommend clients use, or do you use others? Where where are you with using an ESP? What ESP? So we've been with Clevio now since 2017. Um, you know, a lot of the traditional ESPs like, you know, Dotmailer and um, why am I forgetting it? Bronto, you know, they, they're definitely there still. Bronto is not there, of course. I think we all know it, 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 it was a product that was phased out. But well, the big thing when it comes to when it comes to ASB is finding ESPs that are really centralized on the data. And I think that's what was missing with previous ESPs. Clevio do a really good job of having this balance of feature set and data set. And you know, you've probably seen what they've recent released, they've just launched a full dashboard of attribution um, across their platform that they're trying to hit that multi-channel approach of understanding how a customer is actually engaging with email, SMS direct mail, whatever items that they're trying to hit, um, that's something that they've really been good at. So we primarily recommend Clearview. That's our channel of choice. We use PostScript and Attentive for SMS. Uh, but I think the I think the biggest problem, Andy, is like uh, I think outside of you know the, the ESP itself, you know, email for me personally is going to be a diminishing channel in the next several decades. I think Why? a lot of people. I mean, I've, I've heard this. I've heard this for yeah. good part of ten years. But but why? Why do you think over the next? What did you say over the next ten years or over the next few years? I would say realistically, in the next decades plus, we're going to start okay. to see a decline. I feel like the decline. If we look at metrics, and again, if you, I'm not going to pop numbers out of my hat, but if we look at the the engagement rate of email versus SMS versus Slack and all these other ancillary channels. I'm pretty sure we're going to see a pattern that there's less engagement in email than it used to be. And I think the reason why is because data is more accessible than it ever used to be. Um, back seven, eight years ago, we used to do cold outreach to clients, and that was not really a thing back then. I get like, I just got 40 spam emails today of outreach. And I think that's the problem is there's just so much accessibility 
for people to start to hit that inbox that it just becomes overwhelming and the engagement just declines. And I think that's really why a lot of brands really need to look at retention marketing, very similar to acquisition marketing. And this is something that I get in, I get really into with understanding like how you're actually going about your like acquisition or retention strategy. For me, what I, I've always asked myself, why is it on the acquisition side that we target five to six channels to contain a customer in that 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 funnel? So we've got AdWords, we've got social, we've got you know um, influencer, we've got affiliate, we've got all these different channels. But the problem is, is we don't adopt that same method with retention. On acquisition, we're trying to reduce CAC hit as many channels we can, keep them in the funnel and then eventually get them to convert. But we don't adopt the same philosophy or mindset and retention. So retention let's talk about got- that. Let's let's talk about retention and specifically, you know, the emails because we're, we're talking emails. Can you send too many emails to existing customers? I think there's a, there's a balance. Like, I think, again, it, it all depends on each brand. Every brand is different. Like you're going to hear from one retention marketer that brand A and beauty their engagement rate is much higher through more frequency of emails, whether it's every few days or weekly or bi-weekly, whatever it is. And another brand, their audience might be completely different. I think that's where you've got to look at the data and see, okay, is the engagement low or high because of the frequency or is the engagement low or high because the messaging or the approach is wrong? And that's where, you know, where you've got to look at A-B testing. And I think A-B testing becomes an important part then where you're trying to, separate what is actually true versus what's not true when it comes to how you're sending those emails. And that is, for me, my biggest focus when I'm trying to look at these brands in a way that's going to help them push that channel forward. But again, I don't think it's the complete holistic model of what brands should be focusing on. You know what I'm curious about? When you take over a new client, somebody comes with you, let's say for the email and the SMS, do you prepare a marketing calendar for the entire year or how far out do you plan what emails you're going to send? We, so it's, it's twofold. When we're ever doing that, we typically, we have a monthly content calendar, which is typically planned 30 days in advance. Um, And I would recommend that if I think most brands today, especially anything that's 5 million plus GMV for a brand, they're typically doing that. But you said 30 days in advance. 30 to, 30 to 60 days in advance. 30, 30 is the bare minimum. Yeah, is, is probably the bare minimum. But when it comes to the annual side, like you should have a systemized strategy of what you're planning throughout the year. So if you're a beauty brand, what are the peak holidays for you that you need to prioritize ahead of time? What are the key seasons that are going to be important for you? I think that's a big part of how you'll get ahead of looking at that ahead of time. And um looking at how you're going to segment that data because a lot of brands I find when they're trying to launch a campaign that's a seasonal campaign, they haven't segmented their data enough, which should be happening several months behind time. And then when it comes time to launch a seasonal campaign, they're not really getting the revenue lift that they want because they're not really planning on an annual basis. So we do recommend clients to plan on an annual basis, which we do support them with. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see companies making with email marketing? Uh, I th- 
I, th- I think the part for me with this, and again, I'm trying not to focus on this on email, is because e- there's so much, there's so many companies doing email out there, and I, I, I think there's a, a twofold answer to this. So I don't want to take this in a different direction. I think email is really only one channel of many channels a brand should be embracing. I think that shouldn't be just the full focus of a brand. Um, you know, for me, I. I'm trying to really understand where the consumers are and trying to identify like what channels are they going to be hitting. And I think going back to the acquisition side, if a brand truly wants to do well, they've got to have a complete harmonious, holistic retention approach. So if you've got one customer who's probably high engagement in email, you might have customer B who's high engagement in SMS. You might have customer C who's high engagement in direct mail. You might have customer D, sorry, I'm not knowing my alphabet right now, Andy, but a customer D who actually wanted to talk with WhatsApp or another channel. I think it's important to meet the customer where they're at. And if you want to reduce CAC, if you want to increase RPR, want to increase LTV, that for me is how I would launch a D2C brand today. And that is adopting a multi-channel approach, both on acquisition and retention, because ultimately... Most brands are shooting themselves in the foot. And then the reason why that is, is because they're trying to get higher LTV, they're trying to get more RPR. RPR, just let everyone know it's repeat purchase rate. Um, but the problem is, is they're not doing the things where they need to be done to the customers they're trying to meet where they are, the way it should be. And I think that's the big low-hanging fruit that I see a lot of these brands missing out on. And that's what we're trying to really do now, we haven't noticed. So I was going to ask, what should a company look for when looking to, to outsource their email marketing to, to an agency? But it sounds like it shouldn't be just looking to outsource your email marketing to an agency, but you should be looking to, to outsource many things that go along with email marketing. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the, the theme I always see with brands is that they again this is dependent on the size of the brand but if if you're trying to find an agency that is going to take over your attention marketing efforts the problem with the market today is there's so many specialists but i think looking for an agency that have relevant target market or icp ideal customer profile if you're in the beauty if you're a beauty brand go and find the best clayview beauty agency out there who just focus on that and um, reason why is because they're going to know your customer and be able to communicate with your probably better than anyone else. So looking for those agencies who actually have an industry specialization, a platform specialization. And I think the, the biggest giveaway is really looking at what tech they're doing. Um, I'm very surprised by how much a lot of brands are not looking at the tech of an agency is, are they using legacy tech or are they using new tech? That's normally a really easy indicator of knowing is that agency really where you want to be as a brand. And I think that's one of, you know, a qualification criteria I would look for. Um, another part would be just when it comes to talent, looking up their talent. Have their talent got a track record in retention marketing or are they more generalists? I think those things are going to really help a brand minimize their risk of hiring the wrong agency and ensure that the hiring agency actually understand it and get it. 
Now, you said you launched your agency, Noticed, in 2015. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious, one of my favorite questions, but have there been any business books that have helped shape your agency, guided you as you've created it? Or how have you been able to, to build such a you know a large agency in a, in a relatively short short amount of time, although eight years isn't that short? <laughs> it's, it's, I'm hitting 40 soon, so it feels like I'm getting old. So uh, yet it's... I, my, I think one of my favorite books, and I think it's more about understanding the journey, is a, it's called Shoot Dog by Phil McKnight. And what I learned from that book is, you know, it took Phil McKnight nearly two decades before the company actually got close to even going to IPO and really being at the level that they needed to get to. You know, it was a decade plus before he actually started to make it. And I think the part of me that I, I took away from that story of reading that is like the hurdles you go through business is the same hurdles we go through in life. And, you know, for me, there's times, you know, we were in 13 when I was actually just freelancing. I was actually wasn't 13, it was, it was 13. Uh, I was like 40 grand in debt. I'd sold my car. I never had a car, none of that. And, you know, I think a lot of companies when they start a business, they're thinking about, okay, I'm just going to chuck, chuck, you know, just fr throw the towel in and, you know, try and really look for what's next. What I learned is once you get past that curve, which is like this growth curve and then there's a the next growth curve and there's another one, it's that kind of like that mid-stage where you really start to get tested. And for me, that was the most challenging time. I, I remember I was sleeping in the office in 2020 and that was during COVID. I was sleeping on the floor for nearly a month because – we went through a full um, influx uh, of changes in the business. You know, the talent was highly in demand, et cetera. And, you know, those times are what really test you. And I think that's what really is the opportunity where you can kind of break through the ceiling or, you know, you, you end up going the other way. But that's kind of my biggest learning curve is just pushing through and stepping back and really understanding what you need to change. And most of the time, it's, it's a lot of things that you're doing um, as the owner. And, you know, that's, that's my insight on it. Yeah. So today, who is the perfect client for, for notice those companies that you can really help take to the next level? So today we work with uh, brands that are typically generating anywhere from 10 to hundred million GMB. Um, our main industries that we focus on uh, are health, wellness, beauty, cosmetics, uh, we have a lot of deep focus in food and beverage. You know, we work with brands like Liquid Death, Lemon Perfect. Uh, we work with Selena Gomez on the uh, beauty side. So they're kind of our four main industry verticals. We're typically trying to find brands that have, you know, a really strong org internally where they can actually work with an agency. That's something that is a challenge a lot I come across. A lot of these even established brands don't really have solid foundations internally where they're getting the traction on their partnership with an agency to kind of scale it quick enough. So we really look for strong orgs and team members that actually understand what they're looking for, what the objective is, and they're going to kind of take a step back and let the agency run with it. Um, I think that's a big part of a problem in the agency world is when you're working with a client, a client comes to hire an agency to do a job, but there needs to be someone to steer it and need to be someone to manage it. And I think a brand needs to really know what they're looking for. Do they want to manage and steer 
or do they want to steer the direction of where the agency is going? And I think that's a big problem I see regularly with a lot of brands where the org mindset is more of a top-down approach versus a bottoms-up approach of how they're really trying to get the best out of an agency partnership. Now, for your clients, are they all sending their traffic directly to their own website? Or do you work with any on sending traffic to like an Amazon store? So it's a combination. The interesting thing that we've been seeing is that a lot of these brands that really treat this site and the online brand as more of a gateway, I would call it. So um, using Liquid Death, you know, Liquid Death have been a client for ours for three years now. And, you know, they've had crazy growth. I'm sure you've seen it. And, you know, I think they're going through an IPO round. I think they're trying to do an IPO in the next few years. But the part for me, which is a thing that a lot of these older brands aren't getting, is that D2C today for some of these brands is just a gateway to get eyeballs on their brand. Whether it's a commercial or an ad platform where they're driving the customer from, their objective is simple. Get the customer to the site, have a really strong brand, have a really compelling message, and have a really cool product that they just want to try. And if they can get them to buy through the site, which most of them are to turn into Amazon now, because Amazon has fast shipping times, as we know. So some of them are partnered. Liquid F is an example, partners with Amazon. And they've been really smart when it comes to their objective is to use DC as a, as a more of a trial for the customer. They just want them to try the product. As soon as they try the product, they know that there's a four, five, six times more likely chance that when they go to Target or Walmart next time and they see that same can, they're going to pick it up again. And that is, that's typically the way I'm seeing Amazon versus site getting used. You've got more brands that are fully focused on driving DTC because the customer is going to go through that channel again. But then you've got these other brands and these other products where the customer can buy it online or they can buy it offline. And I think that really depends on the type of industry and product that they sell them. Yeah, no, those are all great points. Now, how does your fee structure at your agency work? I assume there's one-off fees for replatforming as well as then a monthly retainer for, for other services. Yeah, so it's it varies on agency, but typically for us, um, for example, for a replatform um, or redesign, if it's a client coming from anything outside of plus, two plus, um, you know, we typically char- charge around the six-figure range. That's typically where we start for a replatform. Um, for redesigns, if you're on Shopify, we can start from anywhere from 50 up. That's typically where we play. And um, just because the way we're set up as an org is we have parts. So if you come on a replatform with us or a redesign, you're getting a, a specific team members that specialize in that, a PM, a strategist, a designer, two devs who truly understand the platform and the actual business of e-commerce. So you're getting that. And then on the retainer side, the retainers typically start at a minimum of like 6K and they go all the way up to, you know, 30, 40,000 per month. It just depends. Um, but yeah, it just depends on the engagement with the client. That's typically where we, we play around. And how can an interested listener learn more about working with you? So if you want to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name's Adam Butts, so you can't forget the name. Uh, our company domain is notice.com. It's a D on the end. And uh, yeah, that's how you can connect with me. Well, this has been great, Adam. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up today? No, that's that's everything. I really appreciate your um, 
getting on a podcast and giving me the opportunity to speak. Great. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Adam or his agency, notice you'll find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at www.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all of our different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any of the services discussed in previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.